Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Gonna push tempo here. The Pelicans. Hold that follow through. He posed. That's right. This is what takes you to another level. Welcome in, and what the Pell is up, everybody. This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host. Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. That's E-L-I-O-T-C-L-O-U-G-H. And before we get started with today's podcast, if you have not done so yet, make sure you subscribe and or follow depending on where you're listening to this podcast. And folks, I just spoke with one of my high profile podcasting friends and he told me in order for us to get rolling, we've got to get to 100 ratings and reviews as soon as possible for this thing to really get rolling so if you would do that folks that'd be awesome we really really appreciated we're really trying to hammer this home and get you the best pelicans content as much as possible and for today that includes a conversation with site expert at hoops habit and pistons expert for forbes duncan Smith. Duncan's been covering the Pistons for a while now, and that includes SVG's tenure in Detroit. So we really got the lowdown on what Stan Van Gundy brought to the Pistons while there as vice president or or president of, of basketball operations for the Pistons and what he did as a coach for the Pistons, despite their lack of talent and and what have you. So here is our conversation with Duncan Smith of Forbes and Hoops Habit. All right, we're joined by Duncan Smith, site expert for Hoops Habit, and he covers the Pistons for Forbes. Duncan, one of our first guests ever. It's been a while since you've been on, since April. How you doing, man? Seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? April yeah. is uh, six months and 25 years ago. Right. Uh, right. I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We, we appreciate you stopping by and always ready on a moment's notice to, to join us on the podcast, just like last time. So we, we really appreciate it. And that was one of our, that was one of our first, first podcasts with guests and it was really fun. So if you missed that one and want to time travel back, what feels like 10 years, you can check that out in our, in our archives of the podcast, but we want to get started here with Duncan and we don't want to waste your time as a listener. So Duncan, knowing what you do, about Stan Van Gundy, the newest head coach in New Orleans. What are your first impressions of the of the hire for the Pelicans? My first impression is just excitement. Um, when things kind of unraveled with the Pistons, uh, my hope for him was that uh, he would get a shot to run the team uh, just as the head coach, not as the, uh, the top executive. Uh, I think that we can all agree. I think he would probably also agree. Um, 
that he was not cut out for the, the head coach uh, and president of basketball operations dual role, but nobody is, you know, aside from like say Greg Popovich, who I think uh, gets, gets plenty of help in the, uh, the San Antonio front office. Uh, there are just not that many guys who have been able to do both jobs. Um, so I really wanted to see Stan get a shot at running the Pistons just as a head coach. Um, and when things went badly there, I was concerned that he was maybe never going to get another shot as a head coach. Um, so I'm just, I'm really happy that, uh, that he is getting another crack in the NBA as a head coach. For sure. And we'll definitely talk about some of uh, his, his issues with being the president of basketball ops there in Detroit. And today we're kind of, I, t- I talked about this on our initial SVG podcast once he was hired just yesterday and I said, we're kind of going to do a good, bad, and ugly sort of situation with, with SVG because there's a lot of good, but like we've talked about, there was a good amount of negative in Detroit as well. So um, this was SVG's worst stop as a head coach. I mean, like you said, it did hinder his ability to coach being the president of basketball operations. But other than that, in terms of how he coached, what did you see out of his tenure in Detroit that, that you didn't like? Um, I think actually it's one thing that's kind of concerning regarding the Pelicans themselves being, uh, his new team. Um, he wasn't great when it came to reaching uh, the young players on the roster, but some of that is also due to the fact that like he drafted these guys and he wasn't good at drafting, you know? So, I mean, we can say, uh, Stanley Johnson did develop because, Stan Van Gundy didn't develop him well, or we can say Stanley Johnson didn't develop because he's not a good NBA player and Stan Van Gundy drafted him, you know? So it, it may be more of a Stan Van, the executive than, than, uh, than as the head coach, you know, uh, JJ Redick, for example, I think uh, would, would say good things about his development under, uh, under Stan uh, earlier in his career. Um, so it's, it's more of a cautionary situation I think you know I, I don't know that we can definitely say that young players just don't get better under him young players are more likely to regress under him uh, but it is one thing that probably the first thing that uh, that I would I would find um, very concerning uh, he's also kind of rigid which you know it's not that unusual for uh, for head coaches in Detroit in particular I think he was uh, a little steadfast with some of his rotations and the fact that he didn't deviate from posting Andre Drummond up, you know, five or six times a game until really his final season uh, is, is a mark against. Uh, but at the same time, like one of the reasons that he went to Detroit in the first place is because he thought that uh, that the Drummond was somebody that he could sort of uh, mold into the Dwight Howard archetype. And it's just not that guy. Um, so in his final season, uh, he did completely revamp the way that he used Drummond. And instead of posting him up, uh, it was almost it was almost the exact opposite of posting up a big man. You know, he was um, he was running the offense through him um, via like dribble handoffs and uh, finding cutters, um, and it was it was kind of revelatory. And it's one of the reasons that I wanted to see uh, one more year or a couple more years if an extension was uh, a possibility in Detroit. So. With the with the bad, there's there's some good as well because you know even if it takes him a while to to see the error in some of his ways, uh, he is a guy who can see it. So um, but yeah, the 
the concerns I have about how he'll utilize his young players and the concerns I have about maybe being a little too rigid, uh, which is not unusual for any head coach who's been around for <laughs> years as he has. Uh, those are probably my two biggest, uh, my biggest concerns. For sure. And you mentioned the, the concern about, about development. And, and you talked about that in a recent article about a week ago uh, on, on your Hoops Habit website. And that link will be in the description. And the, the concern that you really hit was development, like, like you just talked about and, and mentioned Stanley Johnson and Henry Ellenson. And like you said, also that these guys were players that he drafted do you think it's fair to relate that sort of situation to Zion, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, because he is joining this situation after they've been in the league for at least, you know, fair minimum a year for, for Zion and Zoe, who's had some developmental time in, in BI, who just had the best year of his career. Do you think it's, it's fair to, to relate those two things to each other? Um, I think if we want to be pessimists, you know, like if we're just trying to prepare ourselves for the worst case scenario, like maybe that is, a way we could look at it. But I think that from a fairness perspective, no, I don't think that there's really any correlation. You know, as I mentioned, like maybe Stan couldn't develop Stanley Johnson or maybe Stanley just wasn't good. You know, that's not the case with, with Zion and Brandon Ingram. Um, I guess we'll see with Lonzo Ball. I'm a little low on him in general, maybe compared to the, uh, the general population of NBA Twitter. Um, but like, you know, there are some guys who are very young and very good on this team that, that uh, I, I don't think that we can really compare to the Stanley Johnson, Henry Ellenson situation because like those guys, you know, Henry Ellenson is battling it out for a G League spot right now, I think. And Stanley Johnson's probably going to get another good contract because he was a lottery pick, which, you know, hey, Stan Van Gundy got him uh, at least one extra contract, right? Which is <laughs> mark, good marks to him. So um, I think that the situations are, are very different. So, um, you know, while I'm, I'm trying to just keep an eye on all possible outcomes, um, and that it makes me kind of like lean just a little on the concerned negative side. Uh, I think that like from a fairness point of view and from uh, like a realistic point of view, I am, I'm not especially concerned that, uh, you know, the Zion and Brandon Ingram are just going to, um, stagnate understanding that. Sure. And, you know, I looked at your article when I was putting together my initial podcast on Stan Van Gundy and I, cause I respect your opinion. And I, <laughs> I didn't even know the name of Henry Ellenson. If I'm going to be honest with you, I liked Stanley Johnson coming out of the draft, but Henry Ellenson is a guy that obviously for good reason, I've never heard of. So comparing that to Lonzo BI and Zion is, is would be quite a stretch. So, so uh -huh, I appreciate yeah. your, your sentiment, but um, now, now looking more at the positives, because I mean, it, it, by the sounds of it, you do see a lot of the positives with with SVG and what he could bring to the Pelicans, bring to New Orleans. So he did have one winning season, and he maintained his ability to build defenses there in Detroit. A guy who perennially has a top ten defense as a head coach. What specifically did you like about his coaching style and what he brought to to the Pistons? Um. Well, I think that that final season in Detroit before, you know, injuries piled up and, and Reggie Jackson's ankle failed um, after his knee failed and, and everything, you know, just one injury after another really uh, undid them in his, in his final season there. Um, he, you know, while I did focus on the negative of being a little too rigid uh, from a coaching perspective, the, his ability to sort of like 
over time, eventually, when shown that like what he's doing just doesn't work over and over and over and over and over again, um, he he will kind of like recalculate. And like as I and I mentioned with Drummond, he completely revamped the way he used uh, perhaps like his highest usage player, just as from a point of view of having the ball in his hands a lot. So that I think that that uh, Stan deserves a great deal of credit for that. Looking at Drummond as well. He went from being the NBA's worst free throw shooter in history to being like, I think mid high fifties, uh, low sixties now is basically like where you can expect to see him every season. Um, and I think that Stan and his coaching staff probably deserve a lot of credit for, uh, keeping with him, keeping with it basically. Um, I, I don't know exactly like how much of that, can be attributed to to Andre Drummond's work ethic alone, and how much of it goes to uh, to Stan and his coaching staff coming up with new techniques and and methods to you know get him from being the worst free throw shooter in league history to just being like somewhat below average, uh, no longer team killing bad. Um, those are two pretty critical things, I think. But one of the things that he did from a defensive perspective, like that was not a, a defensively talented team. You know, you had Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith and Andre Drummond, Tobias Harris, and an on and on down the list. Like none of them are especially like stout defensively, but the Pistons, I think they finished like top three one of his years and top five another year. They were generally very reliably top 10 with, you know, a million injuries and no good defensive players in the roster. Um, and I think that a lot of that came from uh, really kind of like minimizing mistakes and like not turning the ball over, being responsible in transition. Um, you know, they seemed to be aware of the fact that like they weren't going to be able to, they were one of those teams that was going to be able to turn the ball over a lot and still have a chance to win. They just didn't have the skill level. They didn't have the personnel. You know, they, they didn't have uh, a superstar that they could just give the ball to and, you know, fix all the mistakes uh, just because, like, they have a, a dy- dynamic score or creator or anything like that because they didn't. So I think that a, a big reason that their defense was was so reliably solid was just because they were able to cut down the turnovers. They were able to take advantage of uh, bench versus bench minutes in particular. And I think that, that that's a credit to Ish Smith, but I think it's also – a credit to the way that um, that Stan sort of deployed um, his units. So um, I think that being able to make a pretty good defensive team, like pretty good to really good defensive team uh, with a roster that didn't really have any good defenders was uh, a pretty significant mark in Stan's favor. Now, what you just said uh, just a few minutes ago about eliminating mistakes and, and getting down the, the number of turnovers, that's something that Pels fans really love to hear. I mean, defensively, the Pels, other than Drew Holiday, were pretty awful this year. And, I mean, you watch five seconds of tape on Zion Williamson on the defensive end of the floor, and he's just horrible. <laughs> and then there's Brandon Ingram, who has definitely a lot to learn on that end of the ball as well. So that's some good stuff we like to hear. Issues with turnovers coming off this year as well, even with guys who are vets like like Drew Holiday having some issues and, and lack of consistency on the offensive side of the ball. So 
a lot of good stuff you like to hear. And, and, you know, that's kind of a byproduct of those coaches who can be more rigid. They bring in a lot of structure. Do you, do you think that's a fair statement? I do. You know, he's got his ways of doing things. Like, he's willing to, to be flexible and, and find areas where he can improve as well as his team. I think that's that's a positive. But, yeah, he's definitely a guy who's going to bring in a lot of structure. I believe it was uh, Chris Oliver, I think, in the 2017 offseason was doing – he has a coaching podcast, I think it's Basketball Immersion, something along those lines. He was, he was talking about how he had spent some training camp time with a bunch of different teams, and the Pistons were one of them. And as far as, like, coaching, like, breakdowns per minute, like where he would stop things and he would, like, take guys aside – uh, spend actual time like coaching during training camp. Stan was by far and away the the number one guy who was who was taking time with players and, and working on things during training camp. You know, some I think some coaches more or less just let things happen the way they're going to happen, and that isn't the way that Stan did things. And I think probably you know while Alvin Gentry did, certainly did some good things with the Pelicans, I think that's probably something that uh, that this team. Going forward with, I think, the, the elevating expectations that they have, you know, with so much talent, um, I think that's probably something that this team in particular could really use, you know, just like a refining of the fundamentals, improving the things that they need to improve, just just from like a baseline perspective, you know, just the things that you've got to be good at, like the transition defense, for example. I, I think that uh, that could probably be a, a really solid addition for this team in particular. Totally. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, you said it, Alvin Gentry, basically, these two guys are polar opposites. Been saying this basically since we started talking about, about Stan Van Gundy as well, is that he is, he is a structure guy and, and Alvin Gentry is absolutely a veterans type of head coach. He is a laissez-faire, kind of just let things play out kind of coach, very offensive centric and, and Stan Van Gundy comes in as the exact opposite of that. And I'm about 95% sure that's what David Griffin and the front office were looking for this, this off season. And, you know, you mentioned SVG walking around and doing individual things with, with players. That's another thing that I like about what he does and what he could possibly bring on a staff. We've heard Ime Udoka and Charles Lee be mentioned. Of course, uh, Ime Udoka being a assistant with the 76ers this last year. And then the Spurs prior to that, Charles Lee with the Bucks, but, Two names that I've mentioned a lot that I would love to bring on staff. I'm not sure how much you know about either of these guys, but they could really help in terms of development for these players is Will Weaver and, and then Kenny Atkinson. And I think having those two guys with this young roster, but also having the experience of SVG, I think that would be incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, Kenny Atkinson is definitely a known commodity, but uh, Will Weaver is a guy I hadn't really known a whole lot about until our – Lachlan Everett at Hoops Habit did a breakdown of his uh, coaching experience and tenure and everything. And whether it be as an assistant with the Pelicans or elsewhere, yeah, I definitely think that there's a place for that guy in the NBA. So um, I, th I think that it would be a, a big positive if uh, Stan brought him onto staff for sure. Definitely. And we had Liam Santamaria of the NBL. He's an NBL TV analyst in Australia said that, that Weaver is going to be on the front row of a, of a coaching staff here soon. It's not about if, it's about when. So if Pels can grab him, that would certainly be a good thing. But anywho, 
when we're looking at SVG, you mentioned Andre Drummond not being the greatest defender in the world, but he is a big center at the, at the core of the defense. And we talked about this yesterday. I was on Pro Pell's talk with Justin Napoli and Ross Devineau, and we talked about the fact that on every team that SVG has coached that's been successful, they had not necessarily defensive stalwart, but at least a big center in the middle of the defense. I mean, you look at Shaq in his time in Miami, then Dwight Howard in, in Detroit, and then Andre Drummond – or sorry, Dwight Howard in, in Orlando and Andre Drummond in Detroit – is that something that the, the Pels are going to need going forward? Will they have to go out and get a big center well, centerpiece, no pun intended, uh, for, their, for their defense? Um, I think that it's something that is definitely worth uh, considering, you know, in the modern NBA anyway. I, I also think that Stan has probably spent a lot of time watching the way the league kind of conducts itself nowadays. So I don't think that necessarily, you know, looking back at Orlando or Miami um, is going to all that thoroughly inform the way Stan's going to do things in New Orleans. Um, but I mean, yeah, having having a, a reliable big in the middle who can uh, who can protect the rim and stuff like that, it's it's good to have anyway. But I don't necessarily know if if like the playbook is going to be the same for him in 2020 as it was in like 20. 2010 or 2008 or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Completely, totally different league. You know, uh, we were looking at the, the option of running a four out one in type of offense that they ran in Orlando with, with Dwight Howard and, and the conversation of defense has come up quite a bit. We know how good he was, but we're just wondering what the structure that is going to look like. Obviously he's, he's done it differently depending on who's on the roster and, and we'll see what, what, what comes to fruition. He is a somewhat flexible head coach in terms of what he approaches in, in philosophy with each team that he's coached. It's not completely rigid. It's not the same thing with every team he's been a part of. He does look at the roster and, and bends to the situation that he's got. So I've asked this question. I've been asked this question, I should say, on ESPN 1420 in Lafayette, Word with G. Do you think his taking time off from coaching and getting into commentary, being there with uh, TNT, which he did a phenomenal job, absolutely loved him in the booth, so much better than his brother. Don't at me on that one. But... <laughs> Do you think that helped him learn? Do you think it helped him take a step back and look at basketball holistically rather than just being with a specific team? Maybe. I think he's a basketball lifer. So whether he was, whether he's like doing commentary or just watching hours of basketball himself, um, more likely than not, that probably just revealed to like the general public how good he is at this thing. You know, I don't think that he needed to like be a commentator for a year or two to like really get how the NBA works today. I think that he was going to get that anyway. I think that we as uh, you know, NBA Twitter and people who consume the NBA ourselves, I think that um, we needed that to see that Stan was in fact like really in tune with the game of basketball. Um, I, I think that that was more informative for us as like a viewing public and, you know, perhaps like prospective uh, future employers like the New Orleans Pelicans than, than necessarily for Stan himself. You know, I think he was going to get it anyway. Because, you know, as, as we've mentioned, like he is, uh, well, his rigidity is something that I, I kind of criticize. I also think that like by virtue of, of the flexibility that we've also seen over time, you know, he's, he's a guy who I think is 
more than willing to like sort of revisit a lot of things. So yeah, I I think that it was probably more for our benefit than for his that he did the commentating thing for a while. Fair enough. Have you are you a listener of the the Low Post Zach Lowe's podcast? Oh yeah. Have you did you oh, listen yeah. to his pod or, or you, will you know what I'm talking about when SVG was on in July, late July, and talked about the Pelicans and and the Grizzlies? I believe that I listened to it, but I think I was also, I had like a rotation of about like eight podcasts that I was trying to keep up with. So (laughs) you might have to refresh me a little bit. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. So basically what happened on that podcast, this was obviously pre the initiation of the bubble and and the play in the bubble is, is SBG joined him on, on the podcast and talked about what the needs are for the Pelicans, where they have to get better. and, And he talked about development of Lonzo ball. He needs to be better off the dribble and run an offense through B.I., Zion, and Drew and just kind of make Zoe stand and shoot kind of guy because obviously he's become such so much better at that with Fred Vincent working with him in the offseason, talking about Zion and what he brings to the table, the fact that they were third in the league in points in the paint when, when Zion was there, seventh in free throw attempts. And he talked about the fact that Zion is not a ball stopper on offense. He'll shoot it, pass it, or move it. That's how Zion plays, and he's not going to stay on ball. They also recognized their, their weaknesses and, and how bad they were prior to that 11-5 stretch and, and prior to Zion's return. He said there's eight guys on the team that played a lot who are 25 and younger, and then he just admired the crap out of David Griffin, basically. He said, I don't know if anybody in the league has done a better job than David Griffin. Look at all the people they added to their team in, uh, besides even the, the Anthony Davis trade. Is that ringing a bell before I ask my question? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I heard it myself or if I just read about this like later on after the fact. But yeah, and you know, I think it makes a lot of really strong points as well. Sure. And basically, what I was going to ask is, I mean, he's he's tweeted about the the Pels. He's he's talked about the Pels not only in in this podcast but on his commentary. Did did he do that type of stuff before he came to Detroit? I don't I don't know if if this is like a play to to try to get the job, but or, or if he really does admire what the Pels are doing. But did he ever come out and say anything like this about uh, the Pistons before he joined the franchise? Well, I think that the the media scene is a whole lot different now than it was then. You know, like, I, I don't think that you had a lot of podcasts where a prospective coach like Stan Van Gundy could hop on and just glow over, over players, you know. So I think that the landscape is quite different. But, yeah, he, he had really, really high aspirations for Andre Drummond. You know, I think that Drummond was one of the selling points for him, and he made that pretty clear. But, yeah, I don't think that he is really – really glowed over an organization quite the way that he did the Pelicans when he was, when he was seeking the Pistons job back in the day. Sure. And that was partly just out of curiosity, but, but I'm glad to hear you say you don't think he's glowed over the <laughs> other franchises like he has the Pels. And um, obviously there's, I mean, it was a desired job, probably not to the degree that, you know, the Clippers job was, or maybe even the 76ers job, but it is a desired job when you get to run uh, an offense that is surrounded with, you know, players like Brandon Ingram and, and Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday. I, I think that's all I've got for you, man. Is, is there any bottom line that you would say to Pelicans fans that, that we can look forward to? Is there anything that you say, like, look, this is what you're getting from SVG. This is going to be a good thing. Or, or is there anything else that, that you would point out to, to Pels fans to look forward to with, with Stan Van Gundy at the helm? 
Well, I think that we are going to be able to see a lot of his perceived weaknesses tested. You know, the young the young players thing is going to be uh, on display. We're going to get to see whether it was a one-time issue, you know, with the youngsters that, uh, that Van Gundy himself drafted. I mean, we also forget that he coached uh, a fairly young Dwayne Wade. You know, it's not as though <laughs> young players and, and Stan Van are just not compatible. We're going to get to see sort of some redemption, I think, in that category right there. We're going to get to see what it looks like when he actually has a really talented young core. You know, you mentioned that the Clippers might have been a more desirable job, but I don't know about that. You know, you you get two-thirds of the season of Kawhi Leonard. You get whatever Paul George gives you. You have exceedingly high expectations that may or may not be completely fair. But with the Pelicans, you have a young core that you can mold, that you can kind of shape up in the way that, that Stan Van Gundy thinks they should go. And, you know, if, if this team turns into, you know, the, the next Golden State Warriors out of nowhere, young team that, that just runs over the league, Stan's going to get a lot of the credit and deservedly so. So, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a really exciting situation for fans and for the the team itself, and I think that it's probably like the best place for Stan as well. He can kind of answer all of these questions all at once in a situation where he's actually set up for success rather than set up for failure. Like, you know, by his own request, wanting to be uh, the head executive as well, like he was set up for, for failure in Detroit. Right, and you make a lot of good points there. And for those of you who didn't know, SVG was actually in the running for the Warriors job back in the day before he decided to go to Detroit because he wanted his hand in the, the front office and, and moving pieces and parts, players, stuff like that. So kind of an interesting little tidbit there for you, Pelicans fans. And we're excited to, to see what SVG brings, and we will continue the SVG kind of opening series that we've been doing coming up here soon. Awesome. Dunk, Duncan, I almost just called you Dunk. Duncan. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first to. Not uh, the first. <laughs> all right, good. Duncan, thanks so much for joining us today. Like I said, your article is going to be in the description of today's podcast. But how can we uh, follow you on Twitter? How can we see some of your articles? Sure. Uh, hoopshabit.com is the place where the majority of my work ends up. NBA related. And also, I've got a lot of piston stuff going up there as well. Uh, you can also read my stuff on Forbes. Uh, pretty much exclusively about the Pistons there. Um, follow me on Twitter at Duncan Smith NBA, and that's that's pretty much pretty much all the spots you can get me these days. Awesome! Thanks so much for joining us today, Duncan. No problem. Anytime. There you have it, folks. Our conversation with Duncan Smith of Hoops Habit and. Forbes. The guy sure knows his stuff. He knows his Pistons and therefore he knows Stan Van Gundy's tenure with Detroit. Thanks so much for tuning in today, folks. If you want to pay us back by chance and you didn't catch it at the beginning, you want to do it now. Make sure that you leave a rate and review on this podcast. If you do anything else that I ask of you in the next two minutes, do it! Do that, poor favor. Also, Make sure to subscribe and or follow depending on where you are listening to the podcast. Go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter. We're approaching a thousand followers and that makes it legit. So if you would do that on Twitter, that would be very much appreciated. Also, go check out Believe.com. You'll see all of the podcasts that this network has. 
Type in the bird rights on your browser and you're going to be seeing some incredible pelicans riding there and, and other content from our group of riders. That includes Kevin Berrios, Chris Connor, David Grubb, Ali Cosell, and Preston Ellis, all former guests of the podcast, plus more of the other fellas there. So, folks, thanks so much for tuning in today. Once again, I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.